0: Good morning, Lawndale. It's always a privilege to get to open up God's word together, especially on student weekend. And uh, I think today is Sunday. Uh, not completely sure after this weekend. But uh, it's, we've seen God uh, move in the lives of our students, and we're always thankful for that. Uh, Justin mentioned some people that he's watched like grow up and, and be here a long time. Um, since they were young but i am i'm am definitely not one of those because i'm feeling every uh every year on me but he's faithful and uh this this weekend uh wouldn't have happened without without uh a team of people so some guys sitting back in, in the booth that uh gave a lot of time to to uh, our student to our uh, college and young adult leaders who uh into our students, host homes will get you back. You had another year off, but uh, we're coming back after you eventually. And uh, Luke, thanks for all that you do. Um, it, it's it's a gift. This is his first student weekend on staff. Um, we hired him last year, and then the church shut down. So um, this was this was uh yeah our th- our theme last year would have been pause. So uh, we didn't want that to happen again. So uh, the theme this year was move. So just just uh, moving forward. But um, also. Uh, Chad was our speaker for the week, and Chad Harwell is a local missionary with Word of Life Church, so he's here with us this morning, hanging out, and uh, appreciate him coming just to keep investing in our students. And he's a a friend and a partner in ministry throughout the year. And uh, so, anyway, that's enough with, with with all of the thank yous. If I didn't mention you, thank you. This is like it takes a team. It takes and, uh it's, it's it's awesome to get to work together. But what we're going to look at today, the danger of student weekend is always that that it can feel to us like, oh, there's something new up here, and ooh, these big metal things with lights on them, or hey, Kevin's going to talk to the students, and I am, but Lawndale Student Ministry is part of Lawndale Baptist Church, and uh, when we open up God's Word together, when we gather as a whole church family to worship the Lord, to open up His Word, He's not. I'm not talking this morning to them except that I'm talking to, to us as a church family. So well, we want to we pull you in to what God's been doing um, this weekend with them, but, but we, want, we expect to hear him speak to each one of us this morning because we're, we're going to be in his word. So we looked really at how God moves in us individually, then God moves in our church, and that's how God moves in the, in the community and the world. And kind of looked at the, at the way that he leads and orchestrates And moves our lives, and I think when we, as I was praying and thinking through a a Bible example that that summarized that, uh, we came to Acts chapter 8, which Rodney read uh, at the start of the service, so he kind of gave us an overview, so what we're going to do is come back and uh, get it in small sections, and then uh, walk through this account, and then come back and uh, apply it to our lives. So we're just going to dive right in to to Acts chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 26 now an angel of the lord said to philip rise and go toward the south the road that goes down from jerusalem to gaza this is a desert place and he arose and went that's a good thing to do when god tells you to do something right he just got up and did it um so we're going to see here how this is this is philip's first his first move an angel of god came and gave him a message now as a child of the 80s um I, I've, I've said this before, but I grew up with uh, precious moments and angels that we think of an angel, we think of a, a half naked baby floating around playing a harp on a cloud. And that's when, so that's not what God sent to Philip. Um, Philip is, 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 a, is a Christ follower. He's part of the, these group of men that are establishing the early church. God sends his messenger, more of like a warrior angel of light than like a, a floating little baby. But um, the point is that God sent his messenger to Philip he took the initiative. God moved Philip. Philip was 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 here. He was available, but God God took the the initiative. Uh, Philip had previously been working among the Samaritans. Now, if you know. Much about the New Testament, you know that the Jewish people uh, were not big fans of the, of the Samaritans. They were other; they were they were Jews who, who didn't follow all of the rules. They had intermarried with, with non Jews, and they had kind of drifted away from the way that God had the specific instructions God had given the Jewish people. So the fact that Philip was going into this of uh, this this group who wasn't who they who the, the people that you should be hanging around, he had seen that Jesus had come. He lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve. God had raised him from the dead. We put our faith, hope, and trust in what Jesus did, not in ourselves. We see that God's promises find their yes in Jesus and not, and not in our efforts. And he had taken that to this, this untouchable group, the this, this Samaritans. So he was there. He would, um, they were disliked by a lot of, by, like I said, by, by, the, by the Jewish people around. But he was there talking about Jesus. And he receives this message from the angel, and it says, "Go to the road." There's a road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Jerusalem's about the middle of Israel; Gaza's down down in, in the south. I didn't know this; I had to I had to Google it, look up on a map. Um, so, and most of the distances were in kilometers for that part of the world. But so I had to do the little converter. It's about 50 miles. So it's it's this 50 mile or so road that goes between these these two areas. Um, it's, it's probably um, where, the, where the encounter happens between Philip and the Ethiopian. It's probably one of the last water stops, like on the way uh, back down to Egypt before you get there. And then he would have continued down, continued to go back down into Africa on the way home. But it's, so, it's, so it's a lot of ways, it's just this, this roadside stop. I remember when I lived in southern Indiana, uh, we lived about 30 miles north, north of, of Louisville. And uh, the interstate would go up there, but you kind of got out into the middle of nowhere. So if you missed your turn, it was like you had to go 10 miles down the road and then get off and come back and go 10 miles back. It just, there was no good way to do it. So just out here, there's nothing. It's in the middle of nowhere, but there it's, it's a desert. So congratulations, Philip. Here's, here's where I'm going to move you to, to this, this desert road, um, just go there. So that's where Philip is. But then we come to, to this Ethiopian and he's also in, in motion. Let's start reading in verse 27, right where we left off. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So, uh, like we said, this Ethiopian... Is in motion. Let's, let's unpack because my brain, like, we just so easily just gloss over things because we've read them in the Bible before, or we just like, okay, get onto the part, but let's figure out who this guy is. It says he's an Ethiopian. Now, when I hear that, I assume modern day Ethiopia, the country in Africa, is not necessarily the same place. It's actually probably not the modern area. The, Luke, as he wrote this, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke, he could have been referring to a a region of Africa. He could have been referring to a separate uh, nation area. but the point is that this for them in this in this Roman Empire world, when they talked about going down to Ethiopia down into Africa, this was basically for them the like the the, the ends of the earth the, that, that kind of vibe for us we 'd say it 's the other side of the world so it's far away it's distant it's 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 this place that that's just not that's not familiar um so so this this guy is from is from is from far away it also says that he's a eunuch um i'll give you the short version because we do have middle schoolers in here um i'll make even when there's kids in the room i just can't i can't not make fun i love you middle schoolers i I can't not get the barbs in but um i have a middle schooler at home now um so it's which is which is a joy at all times um it really is it really is so um i'll just do he's gonna be 13 this week talk about feeling old so um makes me not i feel old um so i totally lost my train of thought with that with with having a middle schooler at home that's what i'll do but anyway um so we don't. So he's a eunuch, which means at some point, probably as a boy, he was, he was he would have been castrated. So that way, if, as a servant, as as someone who was not treated very well, he would he would have been uh, made that way so that he could be trusted working around the house. They wouldn't have to worry about uh, wives, daughters. It, it just, he could, that he was he was uh, a very grotesque, awful thing to happen. Um, that's probably probably what what the case for him, although. Um, at this point that had been done so routinely and and eunuchs had carried out so many jobs particularly like the house manager or like kind of the minister of finance position that the term like eunuch could kind of almost be used interchangeably with like that that finance minister role so so we don't know that that's actually what happened to him it probably was but but it could have just been a word like um, i do take joy in bringing this up um apparently Carolina had a basketball that game that didn't go so well for them on Friday. Um, I can't talk. Wake Forest didn't even play. Uh, but, uh, but they're known as the Tar Heels and, and most of you, like, you don't think, okay, there's an explanation and a meaning for the word Tar Heel that's unique to North Carolina, but most of you don't think every time you hear Tar Heel, you just, you just picture that team in the ugly blue jerseys and they, and they, and they, um, go to class sometimes, but not always. So that's what you kind of picture when you, when you think of a Tar Heel. But, um, so you don't really think of the of the deeper meaning, and that's and that could be what, what's happening here with Eunuch. That that uh, maybe it's just come to kind of have a, this this newer meaning as as such as like the finance director, because we know this is a court official in charge of the treasure for Queen Candace. Um, but it, who knows? We're just doing the best to, to understand the words. And then, but it says also the Queen Candace. It's probably not her name. Most people think it's more like a title, kind of like a queen mother kind of kind of thing happening, but very powerful person who actually has someone to take care of her treasure. So most of you and I don't have that, but uh, that's 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 what's happening. So so this guy is on his chariot um, traveling from from Jerusalem, um, and and so it, Judea, Judaism and, and god 's Word in the Old Testament had spread further out. Ethiopia at the time would have been like a mixing pot of religions. so there would have been some Jewish influence in the area. A really popular religion there was some kind of serpent king God that was worshipped and honored but So this guy was probably more of like a god fearer than like an actual practicing jewish convert he 'd heard some things he believed there 's more truth there than in his own in his own um, local religions but it's interesting, if he was actually a eunuch, he would not have been able to go in the temple. He'd gone up from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. But at the time, um, the, way, the way it was set up is if you were injured in any kind of way, you weren't allowed in the temple. So if you'd been in an accident, lost an arm, ha- had been maimed in some way, you, you could go up to the door, but you couldn't go in. So, so this guy had traveled literally from, a, from, a, from the other side of the world. And he'd gone just so he could, like, look at it. And he made his pilgrimage there, but probably couldn't go in. And he's riding back. He's seated in a chariot um, and reading from the book of Isaiah. Now, um, the chariot is not like it's, like it's air-conditioned. It's not like, you know, you're going this kind of rumbling, kind of slow kind of vehicle. And he's not really reading from a book because not like he had the whole Bible with him and he just kind of scrolled through in the book to, to look for it. it. It was not even a book. It was a scroll. So it would have been really costly to have a copy that you could just ride around with. you um, would have had to have a scribe copy it word for word. And it probably wasn't a whole Bible because on a scroll, that would be a really big scroll. Not exactly portable. You couldn't just condense it down, down to your Kindle or your, or your tablet. Um, so he he has this section of God's word. Which again, we see that God is sovereign. God is in control. God is leading. Because he just happens to have this scroll from Isaiah. He just happens to be reading these verses as he encounters Philip. Um, in The exact right spot. We know that didn't just happen. So now we turn back to Philip. And we see the second move by Philip in verse, starting in verse 29. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, you understand what you're reading? Um, so here, before it said an angel told Philip, and this time it says the spirit tells Philip, God, father, son, and spirit. God himself directs Philip. No, it's, it's not really a difference in what happens. God's messenger tells him, God himself tells him. The focus in this section of the book of Acts is, is how the, God's spirit moves in his people. So we see that initiative again. But, look, but think about it too. So Step one, God says, Philip, I've got a plan for you. Go to the middle of nowhere. Desert road. So Philip goes. Then he's there. And then he sees, then what happens is this chariot comes by with a guy who is powerful and rich and in this expensive vehicle and from a different race, a different nation. Like this, this not not the kind of person you just walk up to and say, hey, good to see you today. Like, what's up? Like it's a, it's a very, um, God's spirit directs him there. But as, as someone who's more of, a, of like an introvert, like this makes me start to get like nervous. Like I read this, if you really think about it and go like, Wait a minute. So like Philip, it says he ran. So is that because he's like running alongside the chariot? Like, hey, what you reading? Like, and, and he's reading it out loud. I mean, that's the only way he can hear it. Because um, that would have been what was happening with the scroll. He's reading so that the people around him can hear it. Um, but he's jogging along. It's also a little bit like bold. Like, you understand what you're reading? Like, okay, that's not, that's not like a, a, a gracious conversation starter. Like, um, I would like we'll put it in student world. Like you would rather have slid into his DMs and instead you go up to him in public and just go like, bah! So that's not, so awkward. You all know, awkward is my love language. So um, it took a strong nudge for God to get, it would for me, but God nudged him, he directs him um, and he walks, basically says, "So, uh, so what are you reading? And now the Ethiopian, we go back to him and see how he moves, starting in verse 31. And he said, again, I, Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian says, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. How can I know unnamed dude running beside my chariot? How can I know what I'm reading? Unless someone explains it to me. So... He invites Philip up into his chariot if someone's running along my beside my car yelling at me i 'm generally not going to say get in but 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 different middle East culture uh hospitality culture things that are happening but they anyway he invites Philip up and he's probably this hand copied manuscript so they're sitting there reading the scroll it was usually read out loud um, but it's actually a, a pretty hard old Testament text that he's that he's reading um, the text. Um it just can 't have full context it can 't have uh you can 't get to what it means fully until it 's seen through Jesus explicitly um i 'll keep picking up my kids today why not i'm um, you know when you get tired you just kind of go to the things that are familiar so my my youngest son would love if we would let him to eat cereal for three meals a day is that fair is that fair jude okay so um if we would let him eat cereal, like, it would, like, what do you want for breakfast? Cereal, snack, cereal, lunch, Like, so he, we have, like, a, an array of boxes at all times. Um. I think one of the tragic things in his life is that um, he was born after the days when you would open up your cereal box and not just get sugary goodness, but you would get a toy. Also, so you guys, you guys with me, like you open it up and you and, like my sister and I would race. Like you weren't allowed to just stick your hand in; you had to like luck of the draw. Whoever would pour it, whoever would fall, it would just fall into your bowl, and then you got the toy. And one of the things that you would get was like um, what, was like decoder rings or those decoder things with like a flimsy piece of like cellophane with a color. And then you put it up on the back of the box and you can see what actually happens. And it's like a word. So it's like, oh, it's not that exciting. But, or you see like, how do you get through the maze? Or like, you, you hold up the key and then, oh, the back of the box makes sense. And that's what's happening here. That you can stare at the back of the box all day, but you won't see it without the decoder toy thing, tool that fell out of the box. The passage that the Ethiopian is reading its a Greek translation of Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. Like I said, what a coincidence. He just happens to be reading this. But this is a hard passage for Jews to interpret. It's among a series of texts in the book of Isaiah about a suffering servant. So it, this motif pops up several times in the book. So, so the Ethiopian is reading, and in verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or about someone else? He's trying to understand, okay, this guy, someone, take your take your church glasses off, because we read this and go, Jesus, <laughs> sheep led to slaughter, Jesus, but take, take the, we don't have the decoder ring yet, so just we're just looking at the back. So he's sitting there reading this going, like a sheep led to slaughter, a lamb silent, doesn't doesn't talk because he's getting sheared. He's humiliated. There's not justice. Um, his life's taken away. What? Who? Like I said, the suffering servant um, Jewish scholars have had and still today struck, like, what, is, what exactly does this mean? I think there's, there's, there's layers and there's types of fulfillment. You can explain parts of it in Old Testament Kings parts of it in Old Testament Israel's in in Israel 1 but you don't get the full picture of what's happening until you see Jesus on the path to the cross you can see it perfectly looking back through Jesus but but you couldn't make sense of it fully before Jesus on the cross remaining silent before his accusers at his unjust trial his bloodshed for all of us and that's what God moves philip god moves this ethiopian together so that this becomes clear then we see what god says what the spirit moves how the spirit moves through philip in verse 35 so then philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture he told him the good news about jesus so he started right here in the scripture that he happened to be reading and he got to the good news of this is what God has given us in Jesus. He took it from, from real conversation, starts from the Bible where, where it was opened. And he got to Jesus. He helped him connect the dots. This, he, he helped him say, this is, this is the problem that you see. This is what you're feeling. And this is how Jesus makes it all make sense. Guys, uh, just an aside. This is why it's so important. For us to be reading the Old Testament to you, and not just the New Testament, it's so easy to go like, "eh, that's like boring," or like, "oh, that's weird," or like, "I don't like, we don't need that." Let's just read. Let's just read the Gospels. Let's just read the letters in the, in, in the New Testament. But to really, and that gives us a true and accurate picture of Jesus. But if that's all we ever look at, there's there's much more. There's a depth to who Jesus is. There's a depth to what God is doing in Jesus that we miss completely without the majority of the Bible. So we have to look, that's why it's important for us to be in all parts of God's word, because the Old Testament is much more than just moral illustrations or outdated laws. It's pointing, this is God's revelation of himself that culminates and comes together and finds its answers in Jesus. It's like when you finally... Like understand long division, y'all are all past that. But like, do you remember, remember that when when you, you the first time you, you saw this long division problem and you just kind of had that sinking feeling in your stomach and you just go like, ugh, like what what's what's happening here? And then you you kind of you oh it's 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 divide multiply subtract bring down. At least it used to be. They changed math, so I don't I don't know, but. Um, but it used to be that then you see how it all how it all fits together you see you see, you get it and you just go this light bulb moment from from you finally had that great teacher or an after school tutor or or mom or dad or someone and like oh that's all it is i get it and that's as as, as philips explaining jesus this ethiopian is going oh oh He's seeing how Jesus's answer to 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 what he to, to why did he drive and ch- ride in the chariot halfway across the world is finally coming together. So then the Ethiopian makes, us, makes his next move in verse thirty six. So as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, "See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized?" Um, longer rabbit trail, but. If you're following in your Bible and on the screen, you see there's no verse 37. Um, we didn't make a mistake. Um, it can drive you crazy if you're if you're Googling for this. But uh, basically, um, when the guy who put verses into the Bible, um, he wasn't operating out of out of the original original passages it's a translation, he was he was he was just kind of carving it up and uh, most scholars think that he just, they was, they were he had a less accurate version that he was breaking into verses. And as we've had more more scholarship, more things have, have, have been revealed, realized that it wasn't in we, we have old, 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 old copies of this uh, back to within within just a few just a few few decades of the original text. And it wasn't in there. So we haven't removed something from the Bible. No one's trying to suppress something. It was probably just a note from a scribe that got assigned a verse, and then which the verses aren't inspired. Like this was like there weren't like chapter and verses originally. So uh, nothing's nothing's missing. Nothing's off. But it just shows us we what how God has provided for and protected His Word. How we have great scholarship, and and we have a trustworthy process of knowing that this is what God actually said. So all of that to a side. I'm sleep deprived and a youth pastor. So the rabbit trails are coming this morning, but I think it's all cool stuff that's in there. But so, so like we were saying, so he says there's water, it's right here. And then he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch and he baptized him. So he's seen who Jesus is. He goes, oh yeah, I get it. That's, that's him. That's me. That's what I need. Yes, water, baptize me immerse me in what show this is an act of obedience it's what jesus told us to do um let's do it because there's not going to be water anymore you're here you're not going to be here let's let's go let's do it let's do it right now on the side of the road um so basically it's like he pulled into the sheets to get back or the roadside rest stop he saw and let's just get let's get baptized let's do it you know which why not one more You know, some of, some of us have been waiting, have, God's been telling us for years, like, you know this, and it's time to, you should get baptized. You should tell people what, you should identify with Christ publicly. You should tell people what's happened in your life, and you've been fighting it. Like, you don't have to go to a sheets. Like, maybe, maybe that's the way that God's nudging you. Like, just like he did the eunuch. The eunuch said, hey, I know who Jesus is, I'm going to obey him, I'm going to act, I'm going to, just, I'm going to step out and be, let, let him move me. So there's, there's someone in here, I'm sure that that's, that's, that's where God's telling you, is like, hey, he did it right away, I've been waiting years. And we have a ni- much nicer spot than a, than a roadside watering hole. So, whoever that was for, we'll, we'll get back on. So then, Philip, this is kind of the, the epilogue, this is, how it, this is how it concludes, this is how it, it wraps up. Verse two, he baptizes him, and when they came up, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azatos, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So he baptizes Philip. He steps out. He's obeyed, and then it says the spirit of the Lord has carried Philip away. On to his next task. Um, historically this is the same word like for like a, a rapture like he's, mo- he's moved away he, like God took Elijah up in a chariot and just moved him w- you know if God just raised Jesus from the dead and he holds us together moment by moment um, it's not like like of course he could just move him over to the next place and he kept preaching or if it just means that God directed him and that's where he went. okay Either one, God continues to move Philip. The main point is that God moved him to his next spot, and he kept using him. Caesarea is a place where. where, where um, the, so he's going and he's going into. He, he, Philip's taking the gospel to the Samaritans, and then Ethiopia, the ends of the world, and then Caesarea is a very, like, Greco Roman city. So he's taking it there next. That's what's happening. We don't know what happens to the eunuch next, other than that he went on his way rejoicing. He appears to be the first Gentile convert. Um, to Christianity, non, completely non-Jewish person that comes in well before Paul's missionary journeys. This foreshadowing, this is where God's going with it. One of the oldest churches in the world continuously practicing is in, is in Ethiopia. Um, it became the official state religion of that area as early as 330 AD. Um, we don't know that this guy is the one that went and started all of that there. There's also some traditions that the guy who replaced Judas as one of the as one of the 12 disciples after Judas hung himself his name was Matthias some traditions say that he and his and his disciples went down there also. So however it, however the gospel took root there one of the seeds planted is here this encounter on a desert road where God moved these two men together. So why do we talk about that this morning? So what like Great story, Kevin. Um, I, can, I think most of the students actually stayed awake during it. I see two or three, maybe. I don't know. But why do we take the time to, to talk about that this morning here as, as we've gathered at the church? What does it matter for you as you go back to school tomorrow, as you, as you go to work tomorrow, as you ha- have lunch with your family, and as you, or when you wake up from your nap and try to re-engage with life? What, why? What does it tell us about how God moves what we see clearly from this account is that God moves the world by moving in individuals. It's not abstract. It's not generic. It's not somewhere else. God moved in Philip who was a devoted believer. God moved in this Ethiopian man who probably wasn't. God can send you to a lunch table. God can send you to a checkout line. God can even send you into a Zoom or Facetime call. Church, don't let our masks that we that we that we need to wear sometimes, don't let COVID that we need to be serious about, don't let those things be an excuse though to put you on the bench. To think that just when you're out, you're in, for me sometimes it feels like I'm behind a bubble. And I just go, well, I can't understand them. They can't understand me. And so for, at least for me over the past year, it's been, it's been harder to, to be aware and intentional that maybe God's moving people into my path because I'm behind these things. But if we as the church are the hands and feet of Christ, we cannot hit the pause button on being the hands and feet of Christ. If you see a need, if you see an opportunity, don't just bring them to church. Don't just tell a pastor. If God shows you a need, if God shows you an opportunity and you're a Christian who is, who is trusting in, in Christ and led by the, by the Holy Spirit, then you are being told to move. That's you, not someone else. Any nation, any institution, any church, any family where God starts to move, he starts it in an individual who said, okay, God, I'll take that step. I'll let you move me. And I think we too often sit back and think it's this generic thing floating around. He's going to move someone else. It starts in me. God doesn't just move the world by moving individuals. I think another thing we need to see about the way God moves really clearly from from this from this text is that God just moves you one step at a time. The, the, the Ethiopian didn't even realize God was moving him. Philip didn't know why God was sending him to a road in the middle of the desert. At least in my life, God's never given me this detailed roadmap I like 5-year plans. I like 10-year plans. Even after living in COVID world for a year of having to live in 5-day plans that didn't go the way that we thought they would, I still live looking for my for my 5-year master plan and going like, "Okay, um, God, give me your will on my terms and give me the whole thing." Proverbs 20:24 20, says, "A person's steps are from the Lord." So how can a person understand God's ways? Um, Philip was just told, go here. And when he got there, he was told, go there. And then when he got there, then he saw what God was doing. Um, I've been in student ministry for halfway through like my second decade of it. So if God had told me and Brandon, like when we were like 18, or even like 22 or 24, that we'd still... Um, be doing student ministry and doing all night lock-ins and not like I didn't go to sleep Friday night. Like, if he got it told us that back then, it would have been like, uh, uh, thanks. I'll be, I'll be n- no, I, I couldn't have handled it like that. Uh, no, that's not what's not my plan for my life. I wasn't, I, it would have just overwhelmed me. And I would have said, uh, okay, let me just, no. <sighs> he gave me the next step said obey. Guys, God's will is not, I've said this to many of you over and over, God's will is not in, you don't find his will by looking up there at the big things. You find his will in each next step. You know what his will is for you today. To be in his word, to be talking to him, to be plugged into your church and using your gifts, to come back from student weekend tired and grumpy and not go in and create chaos for your parents and your siblings because you're grouchy and tired to go, to just take these next small steps. If you keep doing those little faithful steps, that's how you get to where God's leading you. He's telling you what you're supposed to do today. Do that today and then wake up tomorrow and do that tomorrow. God moves you one step at a time. So my question as we wrap up this morning is how is God moving you right now? In a classroom, in a practice room, in a locker room, in a break room, in your own living room. I want to encourage you, if you're in here and you're and you're already trusting in Jesus, try to be specific, but open-handed. Don't just leave that as this kind of nebulous thing. Okay, God is moving, God, God moving, but how? Is it a name or a face? or a way to spend your time something to stop doing so you can spend your time somewhere else Is is it a challenge to open up your Bible every day to pray to share Christ with someone this week to maybe try something new like journaling or memorizing scripture or fasting or going and taking this period of silence and solitude with God I don't know how is he moving you look for something don't just make it, because if you just make it a blur something, you're never going to do it. How's he leading you? But if you're in here and you've never trusted Christ personally, then I know exactly what he's calling you to do. It's not it's not to to try to apply some of these things and be a better person. It's to go from God being this general concept or something that's true out there to you looking at him and saying, I don't have it together. Jesus had to live the life that I couldn't live. Jesus died the death, took on the punishment that I deserve. I believe God raised him from the dead and I'm putting my hope in what he's done, not in what I do. If you've never done that, then that's the move he's making in you. And I know you would love me, one of our other pastors, one of our deacons, would love to follow up with you. Would love to talk more about that with you i'm sure you can grab people all over this room that would you need a philip in your life to help you connect the dots and see who jesus really is and why he matters so much why a group of students and leaders would give up their whole weekend and all of their sleep to point other people to him We want you to know him personally i want you to trust him personally so as justin and the guys come back up to lead us in in a time of response um that's what we want to give you. Is just a time to, to, to reflect, um, to spend with, with the Lord as you, as you need it. So if that's, if that's to, to sing at the top of your lungs along, along with, with the band, then stand up and worship and sing. But I think, I remind, I think we, we, we skip over it too often. Why do we sing corporately? Because sometimes we don't have the words. I don't have the way to explain how I feel or what God's doing in me, in me. but if we sing along to, to a smart, to what someone else has written down or another believer's written down, it's, it's a gift from God. He's helping us. We're using their words out of our mouths. And it's, it's a help maybe to start that conversation. Maybe, so maybe you need to do that. Maybe you just need to be still and quiet where you are and let, let everybody else sing over you. I, I don't know, but I am confident of this that in each one of us God is moving So are you going to listen? Are you going to look? And are you going to move? Let me pray. Father, we give you these moments and we we ask that you would move in each one of us. We ask that you would that you would move in our church this wouldn't just be some student weekend that that oh that's a great memory and oh yeah oh that's a great joke but you had to be there but help us to pull other people into what you're doing among us help our church not to just be people that that pull people in here to to worship together but let that be a starting point for us to go out and to change our our city to change our nation father because you're going to work in a group of students a group of adults and a group of senior adults who come together around the name of jesus christ and live it out together you're moving help us to join you lord give us eyes to see ears to hear ears to hear it's in your name we pray